first of all, understanding some of the beliefs they maybe have, because a lot of time the beliefs about a ballet body are really strong. So ballet bodies, just some examples of common ones, you know, the belief that ballet bodies need to be skinny or need to be really muscly or, you know, skinny dancers like jump higher or, um, you know, like there's a lot of beliefs that are necessarily true. When we focus on those kinds of beliefs, then we're going to compare ourselves with something that, yeah, it's not really helpful for us. So I guess I, I encourage people to think about anybody is a ballet body. <laughs> I'm dancing, therefore I have a ballet body. It was a beautiful article in Dance Australia recently yeah. about, um, yeah, if you're dancing, you have a dancer's body. Hello, and welcome to the podcast for ballerinas, adult ballerinas, parents of ballerinas, and everyone in between. I'm your host, Georgia Canning, also known as the Balanced Ballerina, and it's my mission to break down the elitist barriers often associated with ballet. Through my own studios and ballet-related businesses, I'm all about providing space and content for people from all walks of life to experience and enjoy the many benefits of ballet. Each month, I'll bring you industry leaders and thought-provoking guests who will hopefully inspire you to lead a more balanced life, full of grace, with a little grit. Hello, everybody. Pop those earbuds in, go for that walk or jump in the car. Wherever you are, I want you to strap in and enjoy this episode because today's topic is all about mindset. Such an important topic for any and every dancer. Today's lovely guest is Philippa Ziegenhart, counsellor at the Australian Ballet School and creator of Stage Minded. Philippa's own dance background as a professional ballerina with the Hamburg Ballet makes her the perfect person for little ballerinas to confide in because, well, basically she knows exactly what they're going through. As Philippa mentions on the Stage Minded website, like many performers, her identity was always wrapped up with being a good dancer. Philippa knows exactly what it's like to have a good day or a bad day in the studio and how that's often predicated by whether you feel fat or skinny in your leotard that day. I know, it's sad, but we've all been there. And with that kind of awareness, she is the perfect person to help the young dancers of today. For over seven years, Philippa has been helping these young dancers develop a strong mindset capable of tackling stage fright, self-doubt, and the ever-popular inner critic. Because these days, let's face it, it's not good enough to just have strong legs and feet. You also need a strong mind. The thing is, it's always been this way. However, nowadays, there's more of an emphasis around training the mind and developing tools to navigate all the emotions that come along with dance training, which is fantastic. The dance world is so fortunate to have leaders like Philippa. And as you'll learn in our interview, Philippa is so incredibly passionate about helping the next generation develop mindset tools, and she just radiates such empathy and compassion for her clients. 
I really enjoyed our conversation and I love meeting people who want to help dancers perform at their best and build resilience. Through Philippa's online program, Mindset School, you can actually also be one of Philippa's clients. So after you've listened to the podcast, jump on stageminded.com to explore her amazing resources further. Developing mindset amongst dancers is a massive topic to cover. And as you begin exploring one area, a whole set of subtopics appear. For example, we honestly could have spent a whole episode just talking about combating stage anxiety. Instead of spending all our time on one topic, though, I did ask Philippa if we could cover as many key topics as possible. So Hopefully then it may inspire a conversation between a mother and daughter in the car or help someone identify a mindset weakness that needs some further attention. I hope this episode helps and remember ballerinas that mindset is absolutely everything. Here's Philippa. Philippa, you are a qualified counsellor, a former professional ballet dancer and now a first time stage mum. So this combination is just why I've been so excited to interview you for the podcast. Are you ready? I have so many questions. (laughs) Yes, bring them on. (laughs) (laughs) Let's start with um, your ballet journey. I like Mm. to explore that first. Um, From a little one to a professional, um, to qualified counsellor working at the Aussie Ballet School and producing amazing content for dancers through your business stage minded mm. how does that ha- what happened <laughs> um well i uh, i grew up in perth in uh, western australia and uh, you know my mum taught a kin- kindy dance class and so i went along with her since i was i don't know two or something and just joined in so i guess i was always dancing my big sister danced and i copied everything she did um i i went i guess i went to a like a um a specialist dance school as a high school and then um, from there realized probably a bit later than a lot of students who um, are serious <laughs> a bit later than most that I wanted to do this um, so how I was, old were you I was um, well 16 when I realized I wanted to take it seriously and then 17 when I moved away from home so yeah, quite a lot quite later late. than um, a lot of people I went to do a summer school and it was that when was when I saw how people in the eastern states, um, you know, how hard they tried and how, you know, <laughs> how much they cared about their work that just hadn't, I hadn't even thought about that before. Um, and so that kind of made me go, oh, I want to do this. So I went back to Perth and tried really hard that next year and then went um, went to Sydney and went to um, Tanya Pearson's and um, trained full time there. And then, uh, yeah, she took us over to Europe. So um, went to the Hamburg Ballet School and did finish my training there. Um, yeah, and then I danced for six years with Hamburg Ballet, um, was in the quarter ballet, um, had a lot of fun, got to travel a lot and, you know, perform and, um, yeah. And I guess I finished up actually, well, my, um, my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, he was moving to Australia, he was German. And so I kind of followed him (laughs) and I took the opportunity when he came to go he I wasn't know, a dancer no, no no not a dancer um <laughs> like a normal person <laughs> <laughs> it's so true though like oh he's a normie <laughs> yeah, yeah um and so um I guess I took the chance I knew that as a dancer I was going to have to retrain at some point um uh yeah it's not a career you can do until you're 65 and so I thought well might as well um, make the the chance of the you know the the change and um try something new so I came back and 
I guess having the world as my oyster, what do you actually do? I um, I guess I just was looking at what, um, yeah, what interested me and counselling. Um, I guess I've been interested in psychology. I was reading up about it in the back of rehearsals anyway. So it was sort of something that was interested me. So I studied counselling. Um, yeah, and then I've been helping, yeah, dancers and other kinds of performing artists for nine years now. Um yeah, and I, I'm actually loving it. So it's funny how you think I want to be a ballerina and yeah. I actually feel equally passionate about what I'm doing on this side of the, you know, <laughs> the studio. And um, yeah, so that's, I guess, in a nutshell, my journey, how I've got through it all. Yeah, I, it's, um, I always love that one of the reasons I started the podcast was to let little dancers know that if you study ballet, you know, at that pre-professional level and then professional level, even if you don't get to that professional level you can still stay in the ballet world and yeah. in such a in, in different capacities like I know I remember telling one of my eight-year-olds that um, Queensland Ballet for example has their own physiotherapists because mm. um, we were going to see one of their performances and she was like what she's like so I could be a ballet physiotherapist I'm like of course you can and she, yeah. her mind was like blown so yeah. the whole point of this is to like open their minds up to there's so many possibilities yeah and I think um yeah there's a lot of I guess that yeah it's something that I find really um challenging is that there's a lot of a sense that there's this best route yeah. of becoming a ballet a classical ballet dancer and anything else seems to be like I didn't make it so I did something else and yeah. I feel like that's something really um, unfortunate that we would like to see that a change that we can I see that agree there's more. yeah that this informs us and it um, it enriches our life and that we become yeah I mean even um, in ballet companies they have you know social media managers or they have you know um, events managers or you know like there's um, dance journalists yeah there's so <laughs> many other ways that don't necessarily seem related that can be that it yeah I guess your dance experience enriches it and and your other passions might also have a role to play instead of just ballet is the only thing so I think it's really um, important that especially young people still have and it's not their options open if this doesn't work yes but you know like that, that oh I my actually, gosh I know exactly what you're things. talking about and I couldn't agree more <laughs> yeah that I actually I'm allowed to have multiple things that yeah. I want to do and yeah they're all equally important and respectful <laughs> respectable yeah exactly couldn't mm. agree more I um I had a look at your website and you had this statistic on there that 45% of performers experience symptoms of moderate to severe anxiety and that that's 10 more times than the general population. Yeah. That's really scary. And yeah. That's why these discussions I think are really important with dancers. Yeah. No, we do. That's from an entertainment assist um, research that was done in Australia actually a few years ago. And um, I've just been reading some other research um, just that kind of came into my um, uh, knowledge this year about um, hypermobility and that a link with just having really flexible joints, which a lot of again, yeah. ballet dancers can sometimes have. Um, and that also had, I've forgotten the numbers, but it was also very high um, proportions of um like, well, much higher than the general population yeah. levels of anxiety. And, um, That's yeah. interesting. I wonder why that is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, 
Well, I can, if you want to link to some well, you know <laughs> articles, what? we can. Uh, I will definitely get you to send them through because I can pop them in the show notes if people are interested to if read up like further. like reading academic. Um. <laughs> there is so much out there and I do find sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, it's just too much to keep up with. Yeah, but that's and it's why. also, yeah, it's you'd have to have yeah. an interest in it to, yeah. to read that. Well, if they are in, dry. Yeah. Well, if they are interested, I'll, I'll pop a link yeah. in the show notes because I, I find I find that really interesting. But um, so I really wanted to talk to you then in regards to building confidence and trying to avoid this statistic yeah. in a, in the dance studio setting yeah what are some tips and tricks philippa <laughs> um uh, well okay so, it's such a big topic yeah I know. it is um well i guess it comes i think first of all knowing that it's quite common is important to know that there's a lot of dancers out there that are feeling similar ways so as a counselor i hear the things in my office that people don't tell everyone else (laughs) but I hear it a lot and so I guess when I hear something a lot I go okay everyone thinks they're the only one and I guess a big part of it is knowing that um, this is actually normal and that's you know that's okay but there's are there other ways that I can approach things so um, I guess it starts with understanding yourself so when do I get triggered do I get nervous when um you know, there's someone else watching me or am I focused on trying to please someone or impress someone? Some, some, some dancers will get very focused on what their teacher thinks of them or, you know, maybe it's a director or someone special who comes to watch or... Um, External triggers. Yeah, yeah. So are there things that I'm trying to um, impress someone or is it more like an inbuilt, I really have to, like, um, be perfect or dance really well in order to feel good about myself. So they're often the two places that I see people struggle with confidence is it's either I'm trying to impress someone else um, and so I'm not tuning into my body and what I need or I feel like I'm only good enough if I'm working really, really hard. And so I'm, um, yeah, again, not tuning into myself because I'm trying hard and just think try harder, just keep working, just keep working and um, we... Burnout. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little yeah. bit. So, and that's what that's what I see. So, in terms of first of all, understanding what's my what are my triggers, and there are other things. You know, there's a lot um, in there. But um, what are my triggers? And so, how do I? If I'm more of a, um, you know, I need. I feel like I need to be really good to feel okay about myself. So that's we can build confidence by learning it's okay to make mistakes yeah. or how can I um, be more creative and try and be expressive so that we can, again, find our way through, I guess, that performance trap of I need to be perfect or yeah. things like that. Because um, every little <laughs> dancer just wants to be perfect, don't they? And there's just... There's no such thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we are seeing lots of young people, like I guess like young um, like primary school children that are, are learning a lot about growth mindsets at school. And um, I, we are actually starting to see younger younger students coming through that are um, have a much, much better sort of framework for looking yeah. at mistakes and looking at um, their effort and how they're working. And so I, I'm interested to see how that goes yeah, that's once they become teenagers and, um, and adults and performers and professionals and teachers. Yeah, to see if they're just that little bit more well-equipped, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like as a young dancer, I was not very well-equipped. So Yeah, no, you're, yeah. you either learnt it – well, I guess before what I, my experience was you either kind of um, naturally were confident or naturally – um, found a way to cope with things or mm. you didn't and so it was sort of a very 
natural selection process but what I think we're learning much more now is that it, there's a lot of skills that you can learn so confidence is a skill and um, yeah. resilience is a skill and um, yes anxiety management you know it's a skill there's things you can do breathing techniques grounding exercises that actually make me better equipped to handle those things so yeah and I think one of the tricky thing about dancers is that I know externally I just using myself as an example when I was a little one I felt really I looked and appeared extremely confident I was very good at appearing confident which a lot of little dancers are Mm. but then if you peel back a few of those layers that confidence is overshadowing a student being very hard on themselves yeah very um you know, in pursuit of perfection. Yeah. And that can be just as bad. Yeah, <laughs> so oh, no, definitely. It must be really hard as a counsellor trying to distinguish, you know, whether those super confident students are hiding anything or, yeah, yeah. or whether, you know, they need a few more skills up their sleeve. Yeah, and I think that's, that's the one time where I see um, dancers can get in their own way yeah. in that there's often a sense that I need to work it all out myself and I should have already... Like if, if um, there's something that they, like a strategy or something that I could give them, mm. I feel like I should already know this and I should be able to do it. And so I, actually asking for help or looking like they need help. is a big deal. Yeah, yeah, it can be seen as a weakness. And so it's sort of like I don't want to, I don't want to look like I need help. And then they, so they find it hard to get help. So the, I guess that's, that's a mindset thing too. <laughs> and so what, I, you know, I'm always encouraging them. It's like, it's, you know, you will be more self-sufficient if you get some help than if you use all the same strategies that you know again and again and again they don't really change you don't get anywhere yeah so the more you can actually get because I find dancers there I say there well there's um Lynette Wells she is a ex-ballet dancer and teacher and she has a saying that dancers are like succulents (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's you a know, good succulents, one. You know, little, yeah, yeah, you know yeah. that they they don't need a lot of TLC. Uh, they don't need a lot of watering. Um, uh, and so, yeah, I, I find that I can give them a few tips, yep. and they will run with them. Um, Dancers are very good at taking advice and and yeah and actually implementing it exactly. So yeah, it, so it's it, you don't need a lot of help. You don't need to be totally oh I don't know what to do. Help me. Um, but a lot of times they just need to be open to a little bit of help, and then when they get it, they feel so much more confident. Or I know I can do this now. I've got a tool in my belt, yeah. and then they can go off and be independent again. <laughs> Another topic I wanted to talk about was. Um, how to handle criticism mm. I know as a teacher myself students can react so differently to the same correction yeah others take it on board and others take it to heart yeah <laughs> as a student how how should you be handling criticism because it is such maybe criticism is the wrong word but mm. it's it's such an important part of being a dancer being able to take on feedback yeah yeah and so that's where I think you know I feel for a lot of teachers because um it'll seem like the I'm giving neutral feedback sometimes it's not um you know sometimes teachers can be you know in a bad mood or they've yeah. they're frustrated as well um and so sometimes it's part of the the teacher's I guess their stuff that they can you know sometimes put stuff on out there Um, but sometimes teachers are giving you know neutral um, feedback um, but it can still be 
taken personally or, um, you know, taken really harshly by the student. And so I guess that's where it comes down to the student's mindset, really. Um, it doesn't matter how a teacher delivers feedback. If the student is in a fixed mindset, they will take it personally and they will mm. um, feel exposed and threatened and um, ashamed sometimes. Um, so I guess that's where their mi- the mindset is the is the main thing to shift there. So... If, um, if you're getting feedback from your teacher, um, it helps to sort of have a little bit of a separation from um, me as a person and this information about my dancing. So it's sort of, yeah. I guess we often get what I call fused. We get sort of, it's like a magnet. So there's a there's something about my dancing that's not going well. <gasps> we get, you know, worried and we get kind of emotionally like magnetized to that problem. <laughs> Yeah. And then it makes it all bigger. So I, like separating, can I sort of pull that magnet apart? And can I say, hang on, here's me. I'm still okay. I have people who love me. I'm okay. You know, I know that. Um, this is about I've my got, dancing. This is not yeah, about me. Yeah. yeah. And there's things that I, this is, I can handle this. And then there's some information about my dancing. So sometimes if there is stuff from the teacher that they've been frustrated or they've been, um, you know, you can sort of separate. Well, like, can I take the emotion out of what they said? And if I just looked at the words they said, um, you know what like how can I take that at face value so how can I look at it maybe we filter the feedback a little bit and we go all right so what do I take from that and how does that fit with what I know about myself because I think that's another thing dancers often do is we rely a lot on the teacher and they know everything about me and how to dance better and I I just listen to what they tell me and absorb it in so I really encourage dancers to think about if I've given, if I'm working on my turnout, say, and my teacher gives me some feedback about different muscles I could use or a picture that I might help me, can I take that and go, well, what am I already working on and how does that fit in with what I'm already working on so that it's um, they're actually thinking and adding this information to what I'm already working on rather than going, okay, the teacher wants me to work on this, drop everything else yeah. and uh, do what they say. Um how can they be thinking dancers? So working smart. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of taking the, the feedback from a teacher and then when we've got that bit of personal separation going, okay, so now how do I put that um, together with what I'm already working on? Because then they get a bit more of a sense of I, I can do something about this, which helps you to take feedback well yeah and so as, that a, as sense? A, like, like no totally yeah. and so of course it does <laughs> makes so much sense but sometimes I think then as a teacher is there anything that I can do mm-hmm. to because we have a lot of teachers that listen to the podcast too yeah, so yeah sometimes it feels like oh am I doing the right thing is there yeah, any, yeah, are yeah. there any little tips about how we can ensure that the students are taking on that feedback as mm. this is about your dancing, this is not about you. Yeah, yeah. And so I guess the the main things are like, I guess it's a lot of time it's the um, like locking in with eye contact and like a sense of I'm, I care about you, like just like yeah. just in your, you know, when you look at them and you, can I, um, yeah, can I show with my body language that I'm, I'm here for you because that communicates probably more than any words you say. So that kind of grounds it for students. If I can make eye contact and and lock in with some some sympathy or some empathy or some like, you know, I'm here for you and this is what I need, you know, I need you to do or this is what you need to work on or sometimes asking them questions can be helpful, like open-ended questions so that gets them thinking about what they could be doing different. Um, Yeah, can also help. So it's not like yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, you can get them thinking. 
makes it a bit more of a collaborative process. So yeah. they almost came up with it themselves. Exactly. Sort of. yeah. yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah, because then it keeps it on exploring. And I wonder, even if you just say, I wonder what might help, like in getting them to think about some ideas. So it becomes a wondering exercise and not a like, I know what's right and you know what's wrong. And then they shut down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah? No, so that's true. Yeah, so sometimes that can really help is just, um, yeah, first of all that locking in with the empathy and then opening it up to questions and yeah to discussions because once upon a time it was the ballet teachers would bark the order the children were silent and that yeah, and that was yeah, it yeah, and yeah. it's just changed so much now it yeah. really has to be a two-way street so yeah exactly yeah for for healthy dancers <laughs> yeah yeah and I guess the other thing I'd think about for teachers is just to be aware teachers are humans too and so yeah. I guess managing that sometimes it is hard when you're seeing a student making you know a same issue or same like fault um, again and again over and over again it's and so, so hard <laughs> yeah and so that's that kind of teachers can get frustrated and I always say to teachers like focus when you notice when you get frustrated that's yeah. telling me I've got into a, a fixed mindset myself so I'm thinking they can't do it rather than they can't do it yet um, which is a growth mindset so approach. So um, am I getting am I getting frustrated? Am I focusing on what they can't do? And then maybe it's looking at, well, what like what will help them take the next step forward? Like is there something that would get them just a little bit, you know, whether it's a little um, a mini goal, <laughs> something like that to just help. Um, yeah, so teachers to be aware of that frustration and, okay, I need to ride this through. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally yeah. understand exactly what you mean. Now, another thing I did want to touch on was um, because it is such an important part as a dancer, you're standing in front of a mirror mm. every day, all day, you know, if you're if you're in a, any pre-professional program especially. Yeah. Body positivity in the dance studio. Mm. A, what can dancers do if they're starting to feel negatively about this be what can teachers do to ensure that the space is safe yeah. and encouraging but also making sure that the students are aware that they are an athlete and they yeah. have to look after their bodies yeah yeah so I mean um, first of this often comes up when students are uh, pubescent or they're yeah. going to that point where their bodies are changing which is anyway it's a um, challenging time when your body doesn't feel quite like it normally does yeah. and what what is this change going to mean for me so that's a time that we often see it coming up it is hard you know leotard and tights with mirrors on around the walls to um, have a positive body image that's a really challenging environment to do that in if you've got any adult off the street and put them in that situation oh my gosh yeah, yeah. it's 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 a it's a real challenge and, and I think, it's unavoidable <laughs> yeah yeah so you know i mean it is possible i mean some some schools will um have you know, a, a mirror on the side and then face towards a window or something. And then um, so the focus isn't always and then you go to the mirror for corrections or, you know, to workshop yeah. something and then um, have most of the focus away. I guess the, when we don't rely so much on mirrors, students actually often um, will use their heads and their eye line better. Yeah. Um, they get more of a feel in their body um, kinesthetically of how they yeah, I guess they have more awareness inside their body rather than looking outside to feel things. So it can have some benefits to not using mirrors um, and it can also help with body image. So that's one thing. Can we turn the class around? Not all places can and want to do that though. Um, and so for students, I guess it's really, um, first of all, understanding some of the beliefs they maybe have because a lot of time the beliefs about a ballet body 
are really strong. So ballet bodies, just some examples of common ones, you know, the belief that ballet bodies need to be skinny or need to be really muscly or need to be, um, or, you know, skinny dancers like jump higher or, um, you know, like there's a lot of beliefs that aren't necessarily true. Um, and uh, when we focus on those kinds of beliefs, then we're going to compare ourselves with something that's, yeah, it's not really helpful for us. So I guess I, I encourage people to um, think about anybody is a ballet body. <laughs> I'm dancing, therefore I have a ballet body. It was a beautiful article in Dance Australia recently yeah. about, um, yeah, if you're a dancing, you have a dancer's body. Um, so I love that idea. So we're focusing on... I have a dancer's body. Can I focus on dancing? So we want to focus, and this is for teachers or for dancers, I want to focus on how I feel while I'm moving. I want to focus on my work and my my muscles. So for teachers giving feedback about, um, I guess, functional feedback rather than how things look can really help dancers Um, because then they're working on, yeah, a technical aspect or a feeling rather than the look. Because I guess that's where, or, if, or especially with comparisons, they'll often compare who's got the better feet or who's got, you know, like yeah, the better yeah. extension up to second. And um, a lot of that comparing really, um, well, comparing is a whole other thing, but um, yeah, helping. <laughs> so that's where I we feel get. like as you delve into these <laughs> topics, it's like there's so many topics that come yeah. from them. But yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll, so we'll just go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, comparing fuels a lot of yeah. difficulties with body image and confidence yeah um and so i guess it's just being aware am i am i comparing myself is this actually helping me and can i make some choices about what i focus on to bring my attention back to something that's going to be useful to me that's going to um make me feel like i'm enjoying myself here because i'm doing ballet because i love it yeah and um we lose that love when we focus on how inadequate my body is so it's just coming back to why am i doing this what do I want to get out of this class? So really bringing your goals back to, yeah, your dancing. And especially in Western ballet companies, if, if that's the student's end goal, because mm. that's a whole different topic, but mm. if the if a, becoming a part of a ballet company is a student's goal, especially in, you know, Western companies, there is a place for lots of different bodies mm. and roles are suit different bodies and different yeah. people and and you know a more athletic build will be doing like key train jumping around and like yeah. the more long life is like doing I'm waving my arms around everywhere yeah, yeah, yeah. um yeah. you know is doing like your lilac fairy and yeah. and I think sometimes I know growing up I would have appreciated teachers explaining that yeah. that that there is a space for everyone yeah. yeah and um I know I recently uh interviewed Lena Kim soloist with Queensland Ballet and her tip was I just wish that people had have told me when I was younger Mm. that there was a space for everybody and I think that's missing a little bit and if we can just if teachers can remind students that I mean as long as the students are eating healthy and looking after their bodies and you know not eating potato chips like there yeah. is room potato chips are okay potato chips are great yeah, yeah. no I love potato chips but <laughs> <laughs> it's the first thing that sprung to mind yeah that, yeah, yeah that um well they're caring is... for their bodies and I guess part yes. of that might be yes. sometimes having potato chips exactly but yeah that's exactly. part of enjoyment of food but exactly. then yeah but there is a space for picture. there is a space for lots of bodies yeah because there there's roles there's so many different roles that require different bodies yeah and hopefully we're seeing more and more yeah. diversity coming into ballet um uh yeah so i think there is still um 
Yeah, there's the challenge is it's the same with, you know, criticism we talked about before. If we focus on what we're not, we get, it's, gonna, it's not going to work for me. So yeah. if I focus on, oh, they think I'm bad, I must be bad, I'm going mentally into a place that's not useful. And that's the same with if I'm focusing on my body or comparisons. It's like it, this isn't actually helping me do anything Move better. Forward. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so it's just realising I have a bit of control over what I focus on. Definitely. You do a lot of work on um, performance mindset and so mm. stage anxiety and and I, I've got a few little students and so I'm sure everybody mm. does that, yeah. that get really nervous and really anxious about they're standing side stage and they're about to perform. So yeah. what are you wrote a fantastic uh, article or maybe it was your newsletter. You were speaking about creating your performance day to be as normal as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you um, share with the listeners a little bit more about that? Yeah, well, I guess... I thought it was great. <laughs> yeah, well, we often do that and it's, I think it's often with performances or exams or competitions that on that day we go, oh, this is a really important day, I need to do something extra special or and so like um you know we have students that they spend like they do their hair they redo their hair or they'll try a new style <laughs> for the exam because yep. they want it to look really pretty but it's something they've never done before or only once and so then they get stressed when it doesn't work properly and you know and and so I guess we're just adding extra stress to your day that doesn't really um mm. Well, it doesn't help you perform well. So a certain amount of nerves and energy, is, well, I prefer using the term activation. So we get kind of energi- energized or um, alert or activate a certain amount. If we're like sleepy, we're not going to perform well. But if we have some energy and we're energized, we will perform better. And if we keep going, though, if we get more and more energized, we're going to get anxious and stressed. So I guess it's a bit of a... Um, What's that? A bell curve mm. <laughs> where um, the, the more energized I get means that I perform well to a point and then it drops off. So we want to help them stay in a, in a zone where they're, perfor- they're, I guess, if you could put your energy levels out of 10, you want to be in like a five or six okay. to perform well. So you don't want to be super sleepy and relaxed. You also don't want to be stressed. Super hyper. Eyeballs. Yeah. <laughs> and so making your – so if we know that exam days is going to be a little extra pressure anyway. So maybe my if my normal – normally on a normal class day I'm a four or something, it's an exam day so I'm going to be a six or it's a performance day so I'm going to be a seven um, or sometimes a nine <laughs> depending. <laughs> Ten. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if my nerves are already going to be higher, I need to do everything I can to make that – um, to, to calm myself down. Yeah. So making the day normal, just like your normal, how, you know, how I do my hair, what breakfast I have, um, uh, what snacks I pack, what, um, you know, making the day as normal as possible really helps to you to feel like, ah, oh, this is, yeah, this is normal just and I can find my day. groove and just do what I normally do because that works as long as it does work. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like this is, if I can get into good habits of every day, and I can show up like that under pressure. It just, I guess it grounds you. Yeah. I feel like good habits come up as a as a really common thread when it comes to mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's about, yeah, it's all those everyday choices about what am I allowing through my mind? What am I focusing on? Yeah. But still side of stage, like in terms of that question, side of stage, what do I focus on? Um, you know, there's some really simple things you can do side of stage that will help you to settle yourself quickly so there are some you know uh, band-aids in the moment for how do I handle that so yeah and then you've got um as part of one of your online resources you have mindset school yeah yeah yes 
So um, do you want to explain how that could possibly help a, a little dancer who's who's struggling with a bit of stage anxiety or class anxiety? Or- yeah, yeah. So, well, mindset school goes through like 12 different mental skills. So in terms of look, focusing on the skills that we need to be able to um, perform at our best. And so it starts with mindset and um, and so looking at understanding how the way I think affects the way I dance. Um, and so I guess it's just each week there's a challenge, a little challenge of something to try or, um, you know, experiment with during the week. So, um, you know, whether that's learning, how, you know, what gets me triggered and how do yeah. I relax and refocus myself or what are my goals that I'm setting, um, you know, lots of there's Yeah, there's lots in there. Um, but it's really just and they're, they're short classes. It's about 30 minutes of, of you know, per week. Okay. But it's just like a regular. That's um, so doable, though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the idea is that it's something that just, again, even just working on your mindset becomes part of your habit um, and part of the way I prepare myself to perform well, because um, it's often a missing piece of the puzzle, <laughs> the mindset. So, yeah, so it's just like, how can I keep plugging away at this like I plug away at my you know, strength and my dancing and my point technique or whatever. Um, and yeah, helping them feel like I I have a bit of sense of control. If you can control your mindset, then you can control how you perform under pressure. So yeah, yeah. so I guess that's what it's about. It's such a great idea and it's such a good tool because, uh, you know, as we delve further into into the future where we're really looking at the dancer as a holistic mm. being and and having a tool where we can also mold Mm. the mind and have tools that can help us in different situations as a dancer because let's face it as a dancer you're being put under some pretty stressful situations compared to normal people yeah (laughs) so um so it's really important for students so I'll definitely be putting a link so Mm. that all the parents can find that yeah um, if they're listening and that students can find it because I just think it's a really valuable valuable tool yeah Yeah. no that's great and then one of the last things I wanted to talk about was Mm. the role of the dance mum because I um one of my favorite articles that I often send to parents which I was already telling you about yeah was your article about how to be a supportive dance mum yeah and yeah so what are some tips that you can give our our dance mums who just want the best for their yeah for their children because that's that's all they want at the end of the day yeah yeah I know and firstly I really um I have a, a big heart for dance parents because yeah. um, I feel it's a like big they, job. Yeah, and there's so much that they play a big role, and yet they get a really bad rap. <laughs> you know, they're often you know interfering. They often feel like they're or they're told that they're interfering dance parents, and no one wants to be that stage mum. And yet, yeah, you want to support your child, and you want to look out for them and um, encourage them, and and um, yeah, allow them to reach their potential. So. Um, well, I have well, I have a resource on my website with an A to Z parent guide. So if anyone's wanting to get more, <laughs> that's we've got loads of ideas on how to do parenting, and uh, not do parenting, but parent, a parent, a parent, a, parent a, a, a very ambitious young dancer, yes, and navigate all those yeah. crazy emotions. Yeah, but I feel like the the main things is for parents is to understand what. Um, what maybe are some signs that I might be worried about my child? Like, so are they? Um, you know, are they coming home stressed or are they thinking, you know, are they 
worrying a lot about that mistake or that correction from their teacher like is it getting to them like how would I tell that that's happening and that could be hard with teenagers because again they mask things um and dancers are really good at masking things <laughs> yeah I mean younger students like yeah. if they're younger if they're you know under 11 then they might be more open in talk, talking with their parents and some older ones are as well they have great relationships with their mums but um yeah sometimes they can they don't want to worry parents either so it's kind of looking what are some of the signs that I would um, I'd be worried and what can I do to help them problem solve again it's empowering them to go well what ideas do you have and um, what do you think you could try and really encouraging those little attempts whether they work or not how can I encourage their effort and the things that they're actively doing um, yeah I mean I think parents also like one thing that I often talk about with parents is having um, quit proof love <laughs> I guess the idea that um, dancers really want to please their parents often they really yeah. they know how much they're invested in them um, and so making sure your child knows that if this doesn't work out it's okay yeah I still love you because um, all their parents would know that and they'd be like of course I do like how, how much have I communicated that to my child so that they are confident in it that they um, my parents have chosen to let me pursue this and they are here for me um, but, but if it's it doesn't okay work if I out change my mind. yeah that they they can handle that too um, I think that's really important especially for the more serious the more serious dancers yeah that's um so important and and it's a it's a topic that came up I for Mother's Day I interviewed my mum for the podcast yeah, yeah. and that was a big one where mum said if you are listening and you're a mum of a dancer especially in that very pre-professional level yeah. it's important to let them know that it's okay if mm. you don't want to become a principal dancer of, of a yeah, company yeah. because sometimes I feel like if you are having those thoughts I know I certainly did that you feel like you're letting everyone down yeah exactly exactly yeah, yeah. which is why again reminding them to find their own ways of like the own reasons that I'm dancing like what is it why do I love it and coming back to that love and that passion um yeah that can help them yeah, yeah and I and easy. I find that with the role, like you said, of a dance mom is really, really, really important mm. because as a dancer, when you're in the studio, you have to be incredibly composed mm. and you have to look a certain way and take feedback really gracefully. And yeah. and I think the role of the dance parent is when you're sitting in the car and you pick them up and they get in the car and they can go, oh, my gosh, mom, this happened, that happened, that yeah. happened, and just listen yeah. because it's like a, an outlet to exactly. just to just – explode a little bit because mm -hmm. you've had to be so composed <laughs> yeah no and so a lot of that mum work is yeah. is helping them I guess put things into perspective and yeah, um, yeah. Definitely. and I guess the other thing I would also say to mums is sometimes mums can think that their students aren't happy and they don't like dancing because because of the mum is the one that they yeah. kind of um yeah let loose with and they That's kind of they, so they're true. able to tell them all of the things they're struggling with and so sometimes mums can go oh I don't know if this is the right thing or they don't maybe they don't like it and sometimes that can be the case but sometimes it's also you know important to maybe just ask so you know was there anything that also went well or what you know what are you proud of today what did you try that you know you haven't tried before so you're maybe helping them to give you some of that good stuff that yeah. they might not be focusing on but can be helpful to encourage them to um yeah, be able to talk about what, yeah. what am I proud of? What did I try that was hard today? Or what? Um, yeah. That's so true. 
Very good advice, Philippa. And you'll you'll be taking some of that on because you're you're a dance mum now. <laughs> I know. Although my daughter, she's um, she's just started prep this year, and yeah. so she um, we did term one, and then this term she's um, yeah decided she wants to have a little break from ballet because oh, she was getting she? too tired after school. And I said, okay, my hands are off. So <laughs> Again, cute. I'm How gonna, old is she? She's six. six. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, we'll. We'll see when she's ready, if and when she's ready to go back. But um, Very cute. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Philippa. And I've got one final question. Because it's the Balanced Ballerinas podcast, I always ask everybody what your number one tip for leading a balanced life is. It can be something super simple. Whoa, for leading a balanced life. <laughs> um, You're like, it's not very balanced. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's uh, coming back to that, like, that why question like what like what is um the most important thing for me to do uh so i guess what's a non-negotiable and what's um optional because i think um i certainly know for me i try to do everything <laughs> and that doesn't join the me, club <laughs> that doesn't get me very far and so i guess learning to go what's really important for me to focus on and um yeah, and then what can I let go of? And often I'll say yes to things that are important and say no to things that are fun. And so for me, what I'm learning is that I need to learn to say no to some important things so that I can say yes to some fun things. So I guess it's going, what's the most important thing for me? What are my priorities? And I guess making sure fun is part of that too. It's important <laughs> to have fun. Yeah. Definitely. And where can we find you on social media? Um, oh, I'm on Instagram and Facebook uh, at StageMinded. Um, yeah, um, StageMinded.com is my website too. So Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much, Philippa. Oh, it's been it's a pleasure. Nice sitting here having a chat with you. Thank you. Lovely. Thanks. As always, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Isn't Philippa just lovely? If you enjoyed hearing from Philippa, make sure you let her know and send her a message on the Stage Minded Instagram. I'm sure she'd love to hear from you. Also, before we finish, if you are an adult ballerina living close to northern New South Wales and are available on the 13th and 14th of September, I would love to meet and teach you at the Adults Only Balanced Ballerinas Retreat. This retreat is the perfect excuse to escape and focus on your mind, body and spirit in one of the most beautiful places in the world, Byron Bay. The retreat includes daily ballet classes with myself, body conditioning, floor bar and repertoire from a famous ballet. I haven't chosen one yet, so if you have a preference, message me. With a class schedule that allows everyone time to go for a beach walk in the morning before ballet and then enjoy a dinner on the Friday with like-minded other adult ballerinas at Azure at Elements of Byron. It's going to be beautiful, guys. I'm very excited for this special weekend away. Now the retreat, I get lots of questions of, um, do I have to be super experienced to do the retreat? No. Um, I think it's the perfect retreat for someone who's taking ballet classes semi-regularly, but not someone who's a complete uh, beginner. The retreat has limited bookings and I've got five spots left at the time of recording this. So make sure you shoot me an email, hello at balanceballerinas.com or you can always direct message me on our Instagram at balanceballerinas and I can answer any questions and shoot through some additional info. Have a fantastic week, everybody. Bye.